What's up, everybody? This is the Console Crusade Podcast. Here we talk retro games, gaming news, and never professional wrestling. It's our platform for both hot and cold takes, as well as for tearing each other down like only friends can. My name is EJ Olson, and joining me today to discuss some upcoming video game hardware is my friend Nick Durheim. What's up, man? Not much. I think we're going to be talking a lot about Nintendo Switch today. It's about damn time. I feel like we've been hearing about this console for years, when really it's only been like year. One of yeah, them. Yeah, I remember back in the day, it's called the NX. All those many, many moons ago, the NX. I still call it that occasionally. Yeah, it's still a cool name. I think it's way cooler than the Switch, probably. Like, the Switch makes sense, right? But the NX was just cool. You know what I'm saying? It had that had that X in it. It was very enigmatic. Think about it. Every Nintendo console thus far has had such a unique name. Like, you Google, you know, Nintendo 64. That's a no-brainer, right? But, like, the GameCube, the Wii, even, you know? It was so specific and so unique. The Switch. That's just, that's going to pop up a, a dictionary definition when you Google it, right? Yeah, you can't just type in Switch. Well, anyway, we're already going off the rails here. Today, we're obviously talking about the Nintendo Switch. A little bit of a rumor roundup here. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. I think we just want to dive right into it. The most recent of rumors. We heard about the CPU, the clock speed, and how it'll kind of change depending whether it's connected to power or not. Uh, screen resolution, things like that. I actually don't have the numbers in front of me because uh, I'm not good at my job. But hearing that the clock speed will will kind of clock down when not connected to power to, what was it, like 60%? Yeah, down to 40%, down by 60%. Down by 60%, okay. Right. That sounds significant, doesn't it? Yeah, it also it matches up if you want to go purely by numbers that uh, if the screen resolution is 720p, that's like about 40% of 1080p. So numbers-wise, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, I don't think it makes sense for the Switch to have a seven or a 1080p monitor, especially at that small size, 720 is more than adequate. And we're talking battery life here. 720 is a no-brainer. Yeah, I think most uh, people were more concerned about just the the low clock speed in general. Uh, even when docked, it was not running at full capacity. But that's also, if you're going by the rumor of what the actual CPU is, what, how strong that is. You know, I'm curious. Initially, we heard that the the Switch would be using a custom NVIDIA chip, a modeled after the X1. Presumably, we, th- we thought it was going to be the X2, Tegra, Tegra 2, or whatever, uh, based on the Pascal, uh, NVIDIA's newest architecture, which makes a lot of sense considering we're, when we're talking power efficiency, Pascal is truly next-gen, so to speak. So that made sense, but the more we've heard about it, we're thinking maybe this is just a proprietary version of the... Uh, the X1 chip, which is several years old. Right. I mean, it it would make sense really both ways. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Pascal just because of NVIDIA trying to push that uh, technology. And that's what their factories are doing right now is they're making Pascal chips. Uh, but at the same time, Nintendo likes to save money on their back end so they can make money on the hardware itself. And uh, working with Maxwell would make sense for them. They have a history of using older technology with their handhelds just to make it cheaper. Yeah, I mean, really, all of their hardware, with a few exceptions. Uh, but especially because we already kind of know how the Tegra 1 performs, I'm really worried about how powerful this machine is going to be. And if they're using an old chip, how much can you do to really update an old chip like that? 
this is not going to be as powerful it needs to be to sort of gain footing in the in the modern console space. If we're talking handheld, sure, but this is a home console. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone. Uh, I don't think anyone believes that this is not going to be a great, powerful handheld. It's going to be definitely the most powerful handheld that we've seen in the gaming market, like in the space, like made by Nintendo. Because really, you can only compare this to the Vita, and if even the lowest rumors are true for uh, processing power, this thing is eight to ten times more powerful than the Vita. If the numbers numbers I saw, if I remember that correctly, Jesus Christ, that is a large number. So got to fact check like, that. Yeah, that lends itself to like me thinking, yeah, this is going to be a good console. See, then that brings on some some serious issues with obviously battery like everyone's beat that into the ground oh, is this going to be three hour battery life two hour battery life you know who knows uh right now even optimistically running this thing under a, a an average load like maybe four hours yeah there's just so many factors there it depends on if you're running uh, audio through the speakers if you have the screen brightness churned way up or what have you like even a 3ds you can have such a strong uh difference between how long it lasts based on if you're like running it super dark and with no audio, you can get that thing to last like eight hours. But if you're playing with brightness up and you got your music blasting, the thing can last three hours. That's a big difference. Yeah, I think the uh, the only concern that I'm going to have with that is uh, developers not making their games to be portable friendly. Because in portable games, you can save at any point. And that's not necessarily always true with the console games. But I think there's also been a push in the last... 10 years for like autosave so i don't think that's that big of a deal anymore there is a, a very important distinction to be made between is this a handheld gaming device that you can play on your tv or is this a home console that you can take on the go for brief periods of time and nintendo has obviously marketed this so far and pushed this as a home console that you can take with you and so i think that will factor into how some of these features will shape up and, and how developers will treat their IPs going forward. And obviously we have questions with, as we continue talking about hardware, um, are there going to be motion controls, touchscreen? How, how are developers going to deal with these issues? And is it going to be just a thorn in the Nintendo side? Is this going to lead to the Wii U part two? Developers just giving up because it's too much too much effort for them? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation with uh, what features the console is going to have in general if we take what was leaked in that patent last week i think it was uh there was a lot in there it was very loaded especially with those controllers having uh potentially gyroscope and vibration and the screen having touchscreen i don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of touchscreen stuff because it is a console first according to nintendo and you're not going to be able to do that when it's plugged into your tv so I think, if anything, the, t- the touchscreen stuff will be just UI stuff, just navigating menus. Even gyroscope stuff I don't see being too prevalent in game design. I, th- I think we've seen it in the Breath of the Wild with the the Sheikah Slate. And I think that's going to be part of the Pro Controller and in the Joy-Cons themselves. So that's going to be built in. But I've already heard people talking about the possibility of Wii games being put on the console. And I don't really see that happening just because the the Wiimote is not just gyroscope, it's also an accelerometer, and it has the IR to uh, really see where in the room the remote is, and I don't think you can uh, 
you can do that with just gyroscope. I mean, obviously we've seen, I don't want to say quite a bit, but m- several games implementing the gyroscope in the Wii U gamepad. Uh, and I think the reason we didn't see more of it was because you had to use the gamepad to use that feature. You couldn't use like the Pro Controller and still emulate that. But I think with the Switch, it's going to be in the Joy-Con, which are detachable, so you can be sitting on your couch and still use the gyroscope controls. Uh, and for all we know, the Pro Controller very well could implement the same technology. But yeah, as far as Wiimote functionality, I'll be shocked if we see anything like that uh, on the Switch. Yeah, I think it's weird that the, the Wii U Pro Controller didn't have gyroscope controls if there were games that required it i think that's a weird oversight well i mean that just sums up the wii u's entire existence doesn't it we can only hope that they've been a little more mindful in the development of the switch and based on the patents we can see that there are a few areas that we had speculated about as far as hardware goes that uh, seem to be coming to fruition specifically the joy-con peripherals i mean this is nintendo we're talking about right so you know there's going to be other joy cons Think of all the different things that you could buy to put your Wiimote in, put it in a weird tennis racket, plug it into a golf club that doesn't do anything, put it in a wheel. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but when I look at Nintendo's stance on pricing, and they say they want to make money on the hardware, I almost think that's sort of short-sighted because the Joy-Con specifically, they are going to kill. It's going to cost nothing to make these things, and they're going to sell them for, I mean, Wiimotes still sell for freaking $40, you know, in the current year. So it's like, they're going to kill on these Joy-Cons, and it's like, isn't that going to kind of offset, like, you could sell your console at a loss and get it into every single home, and you're going to make that money up. Software aside, you're going to make it up on, on Switch peripherals, right? Per Switch rules. I don't know how much these Joy-Cons are actually going to cost to make, though, because if you take into account that there's going to be gyroscope stuff in there, there's going to be a battery in each one, there's going to be there's quite a bit going on in each of these controllers. And are they going to sell them separately? Are you going to buy them as a pair? Like, I don't... I hope that's something they address in, what are we looking at, 10 days at the time of this recording? 10 days uh, until we get our, our Merry Switch Miss morning, wake up to... Or wait, what time is it for us? 8 o'clock that night? 8, 8 p.m. Okay. January 12th. So... Yeah, I don't... It's not like written on my calendar or anything. I'm not like... I'm not, I don't have an alarm set. It's, I'm, I'm not like that. You've had your little <laughs> Nintendo Advent calendar hung up on the wall, eating your little Mario chocolates. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I, so I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. I think, obviously, the potential for the GameCube add-on and for, I think we saw in the patents, alternate Joy-Con with the D-pad, uh, a, a standard D-pad. Yeah, you saw it with uh, the left Joy-Con specifically, there being a uh, variation on that one that has a D-pad instead of the analog stick. And a D-pad instead of the four direction buttons. Okay. So you'd use the D-pad analog stick if you're holding the the Joy-Con individually sideways. So that would lead me to believe that there's going to be Super Nintendo VC at the very least. I think it's obvious that they're going to be going down this route with the Joy-Con peripherals, and I'm actually really excited for it. How much do you think they're gonna that they're gonna charge for Joy-Con accessories? And do you think they're going to be individual or are they going to be paired up? Oh, that's so tough because I think it's gonna de- it's gonna depend on on what exactly it is. Likely they're gonna be sold in pairs, right? Because they don't they're gonna want to s- brand these things. If you're gonna get a uh, a virtual console sort of Joy-Con attachment, it's gonna be Super Nintendo themed or N64 themed or GameCube themed, and they're gonna want to sell you the package. 
to counter that though uh you still buy nunchucks and wiimotes separately fair enough i think it's a little bit different as these are like part of the device but like you said like you want a uh, a real d-pad instead of the directional buttons on the left side it would make sense for them to sell that by itself and imagine maybe that 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 may be i also obviously haven't got my hands on the thing yet but i am looking at those offset joysticks and i'm a little I'm a little put off by it. I like that the Pro Controller has the offset. I think that works really well. But with the Switch being as wide as it is, on the Switch itself, I think that offset sticks. I think those are going to be a little uncomfortable. Looking at Jimmy Fallon, uh, you watched that video. Jimmy Fallon uh, had Reggie on, and he just, it looked really awkward to grip. And I know a lot of factors there, but um, I'm thinking especially for my bigger hands, it, it may not be as comfortable as I would like. And so if I have the option to offset those and, and kind of personalize my experience, that's really cool. Yeah, I, the personalization factor is, is key, but I think it makes sense for them to go back to the offset. You're pressing the face buttons more often than you're using that right stick with most games. Like your left stick is movement. I mean, unless you're playing a shooter, you're not really using that right stick too frequently. It's just to adjust the camera and then you, you run along and do your thing and you're pressing buttons and fighting enemies, doing that kind of thing. So if you're going to be holding it, you don't want to be holding it offset. You want to be holding it both your hands at the same height. So it makes sense for the buttons to be the same height as the left stick. And I guess it just depends on, am I going to have to adjust my grip every time I want to adjust the camera? Doing the comparison between the gamepad, the Wii U Pro controller, and an Xbox 360 controller, uh, or sorry, Xbox One controller. The Xbox One has the offset joysticks. You can just move your thumb right from the button to the joystick very comfortably. You're not repositioning. I think the switch is so wide, I'm afraid I'm going to have to move my entire grip of my right hand to, to do what I need to do. And that won't be ideal. I think the big difference there is also that the uh, a standard controller has the little legs sticking out, or they're at an angle, so your hands are kind of angled downward as it is. I would really like to hold one of these and see how it feels. One of the things I think will be announced come next next week is these are going to be available in stores pretty soon to start getting your hands on, uh, and I think there are going to be lines out the wazoo, dude. People are going to be lining up to get their hands on this thing. Uh, you know, I don't know Best Buys or whatever. Uh, but I feel like like that's the next logical move, right? Oh, definitely. There's there's so many Wii's in Best Buys. You could sit there and play tennis and check it out and be like, yeah, I definitely want one of these. It's that hands-on experience that people really get sold on these. I mean, they're going to be a, a bevy of peripherals with this thing. What about the dock? You think they're going to sell that thing separately so that you're able to kind of dock up on every TV in your house? Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially if you consider in the patent leak, like we're leaning really heavily on that, but it seems pretty legit. But the patent leak, it showed that the dock didn't have a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff going on in there. It's mostly just ports in and ports out. Like you've got that USB-C connecting to the bottom of the, the switch when you dock it in. And then you've got a couple USBs that you can plug into that. And so it's got what power and HDMI, and that's probably it. It's got USB, power, HDMI. So it's just a plastic brick that you can set by your TV and have it hooked up and ready to go. So I think, yeah, you're going to be able to buy that thing probably like 40 bucks and it comes with a USB power cord and the dock itself. See, I feel like that is too probably expensive because I feel like if they sold this thing for $20 even, um, I would buy probably four of them. I'd have one in my office. I'd have one on my regular TV. I'd have one in the bedroom. And I have one to specifically take with me so that wherever I go, I can hook my switch up because that's, I mean, that's, they're banking on this, I don't want to say gimmick, 
But this feature, they're banking on selling this device is you take this with you. And if I'm having to unhook my dock every time, but here's the thing. I don't think I would even spend $40 on, on multiple docks. I, I'd buy one more. Yeah, I mean, the, the average person would need just one. But there are other people who would like to have two. And I don't think it's diminishing returns after that. So if you could sell this thing, I could see them selling just the power cord itself. Like it's going to be USB-C, but selling just power cord, they can sell that for like 10 or 15 bucks. I mean, your 3DS power cord's 12, you know? So that and an HDMI and the plastic of the dock itself, like, yeah, the 40 bucks I think is almost like undercutting it. So I guess if they sold the dock, yeah, with, with the power and with the, the video cable, eh, $40, I, I think likely they sell it for more than that. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they sold it for, for like $99, right? Which I think would be a mistake. Yeah, that would be. I think that'd be way too much. I think it has to be cheaper than a game. Yeah, you know. So last thing on our list here, if we're talking hardware, I know we're not really getting into the nitty gritty of a lot of this stuff. We're just kind of glancing over a lot of the stuff that was in that patent and kind of what we want to see. But uh, in that patent, they had some stuff that potentially linked the the switch to virtual reality. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think? Do you think that's viable given what we know and what we're speculating about this console? Yeah, no. That's, that's, <laughs> Not at all. That, that, is a, that is a pipe dream. I can't believe that there are people who think that the Switch would be capable of VR just in and of itself. Like, that, that is ridiculous. Like, we're thinking this thing has 720p, the worst VR on the market right now, as far as resolution goes, is the PSVR, which is 1080p. And even that, that has like a lot of screen door compared to like even the Google VR, like the cardboard. If we think that this is going to push out more power to even make images, I just, I I can't see it happening. Like PSVR also has a higher uh, refresh rate. It's hitting at least 90 and there's no way the switch is going to be able to do that at 720 even. So the PSVR has a 1080p screen inside, but it can only output at 720, correct? I might be talking out my ass, but if that's the case... It might be up I'm not sure, but even then, it's it's mostly the pixel density than it is the uh, the resolution of the image being pushed out onto it. You okay. know, because if you up from 720, it's going to be blurrier and jaggier, but it's that uh, space between the pixels that people get kind of disoriented by. And the, that's the refresh, that's the big thing. Like, you cannot get below 60 and have VR feel good. People are going to get, it's going to be a very bad experience. Here's the thing though, is, is I imagine the, the screen itself would, would fit into, I know they had the, the thing for the, the head mount uh, display or whatever. You put the screen in there and you, obviously you're going to need a separate device powering this thing. Like, this isn't going to be some wireless technology. You're going to be tethered just like you are with the PSVR and they would sell a separate unit that you'd hook up to and string across your living room, uh, and, and the switch itself would only act as a screen. Obviously, this patent is probably, this is just an eventuality. Like, this is an idea we had, and we need to put it in the bank for legal reasons. Likely not going to come to fruition in that particular incarnation, but going forward, especially with how VR is going to, I think, rapidly evolve, and the technology is going to become cheaper and, and, and better, the switch could be kind of a nice starting point, I suppose. It's kind of an intro to VR. But even that, I think, like you said, you've got Google Cardboard and you've got the Samsung VR, and even the PSVR is like sort of the entry level, bottom of the barrel. Even if they did sell this thing with a separate device that powered uh, VR specific titles, I just, I, I almost hope they don't go down that road and and divert assets and, and manpower away from 
what we actually care about. Yeah, we don't want Nintendo distracted by the idea of VR on this thing. I think if that comes to pass, that's going to be that's going to be bad news. But I I like the idea of there being a future where there is a Switch that's strong enough and has you know the latest breaking you know hardware in it and a better screen and it's capable of doing it all in one like thing. So you don't have cables running out. If they have a breakout box, that's just as messy as the whole PSVR situation where you've got cords running everywhere. I don't think Nintendo wants that at all. They wouldn't do a handheld system console hybrid if they wanted cords running everywhere. You know, and it's not Nintendo's, like, it's never been their MO to, to be on the bleeding edge of power. Never. It's just, I think, I think they like the idea of VR and I like the idea of Nintendo making stuff in VR just because they have done so well when they'd have succeeded with like motion controls and the advent of touchscreens and their their handheld devices. So I hope this I hope this is just like a a future proofing thing because I do not want the Switch to try and do VR. I'm a little shocked to hear you say that just because you always have skewed optimistic. That's sort of your default disposition. So to see Nintendo do something like this and, and your first reaction is no no no. To me, that says a lot, and, and I'm right there with you. I'm more optimistic. I'm more optimistic as far as VR in general goes, I think, than you are. But VR is so power dependent, and this thing is not going to be. This is not going to be surpassing the PS4 as far as power goes, and I don't think the screen's going to be refreshing fast enough. Like you have to have like a, like a probably a good enough screen to refresh. And I don't think Nintendo's going to be putting out a 720p screen that can refresh at 120 hertz. Because no game's going to run at 120 hertz, so why would they do that? They're, they're going to cut that corner, and I'm going to be fine with that corner being cut. Yeah. But when it's so dependent for VR, that's this is not going to be the VR machine. So here's one thing that I think we can say about the Switch, is that this is obviously, I would say, even a risky experiment. It's obviously an experiment. This is something that hasn't necessarily been done before. And it's not like, at least I hope it's not going to be like the Wii, where it was just gimmick that they tried to sell us on being this revolutionary way of playing, and it turned out to just be really cheap uh but looking at this as as almost a not a proof of concept but sort of the first in a potentially long line of of iterative consoles that adopt this technology like i can see if this takes off you know sony and microsoft are i mean they're already doing something like this they are already working on these behind the scenes whether they ever come to fruition who knows but if this takes off you know they're next and they're going to do this portable home console hybrid thing and so i think if it does take off i think we're going to see a a, probably a more rapid evolution in mobile technology a lot of assets and a lot of resources kind of going towards developing those so that in five years we will have something on the level of of a a quality like gaming pc in a switch like form factor right yeah that makes nothing but sense like conceptually this is so it's like nintendo to be thinking this far ahead in a way, like they've always been kind of lofty with their ideas. They pre-cur- they were a precursor of the mobile market by having a touchscreen on their handheld device in 2004. Like that wasn't really done yet. It wasn't until a few years later that smartphones really started to take off, and now they're they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous, and this is if you can do everything you could do on a computer with a phone, you wouldn't need a computer anymore. But because your computers are so much more powerful right now, that's still necessary. And consoles have always been kind of like, you know, cheap done, like computers that you don't have to worry about the the troubleshooting of getting them to work. So if you can get a console like Nintendo's trying to do that's like 
the power of a phone, but with inputs like a a video game console, then that makes the most sense. And moving forward, cell phones are only going to get more powerful, more battery efficient, more like full of features. And having a console that's doing that now, that's that's genius. Like in ten years, I I could see every console being something like the Switch. I am sort of a pessimist, and sort of I I'm afraid of. A lot of these things, you know, this being not nearly powerful enough. You know, my whole stance is that, and we're not going to go down this rabbit hole uh, uh, too deep here, but I think mobile gaming, it's not dead, but it's not where it used to be, right? And I think a lot fewer people care about it. Obviously, the 3DS has sold 60 million units. It's it's doing well. But I think once people realize this isn't a mobile console, it's a home console that you can take with you sometimes, I think that'll affect how the remaining mobile gamers feel about it and it will impact their uh, willingness to dig into their wallets. And so uh, we'll see how that goes. But overall, I really hope it works out because like you said, in the future, this could be really could be revolutionary for, for gaming and just making our experience as consumers better. Yeah, it just, it just makes only sense to me. It, if you can have a console experience in, the, in your hands, like where, where's the downside in that? I, there are no downsides necessarily. I think there are some issues though that developers are going to have to kind of work out. But that's just that's just progression, right? That's just what happens when there is new technology. Developers will adapt. But let's move into software here. Obviously, like I've said, we've got ten days until the Switch Miss broadcast, and we'll find out what the hell is actually going on with this thing. I know what I hope they they dive into and hope they show and hope they tell us about. I imagine it's going to be much more conservative on Nintendo's part than than any of us can hope for, which hopefully won't be disappointing. But I'm trying to I'm trying to temper my expectations. However, in the original announcement video, we saw what six games? Uh, we saw Zelda. We saw a very brief glimpse at a new Mario. We saw what looked like Mario Kart Eight with characters that aren't in Mario Kart Eight: Skyrim, obviously, Splatoon, in uh, an NBA game which we can only assume is NBA 2K17, there's almost no chance that the Switch is going to launch with these games, right? Uh, I, I'm a little bit more optimistic that the games they showed are going to be games that they launch with, but at the same time, I wouldn't be hugely disappointed or surprised if uh, half of them didn't launch. I think this, I told you earlier, would be the best video game launch, or the best console launch in video game history. Launches are, are, are traditionally weak, and for good reason, but you're launching with a mainstream Zelda, a mainstream or a mainline Mario title, a freaking Mario Kart game, which we waited for how many years on the Wii U? Two, three years to get? Yeah, no uh, no consoles launched with Mario Kart. I think the closest was uh, Super Circuit on Advance was, I think, a few months after launch. But Launch window. Like, Mario Kart sells. It pushes units. People no Mario Kart and it's a it's a tried and true franchise and it's it'd be very hard for them to mess up a Mario Kart game and not to mention if they can get an NBA game on there uh, right away and if it's a quality version because I know the Wii U had a, a an NBA game and it it wasn't a very good version and it wasn't supported at all yeah it was like a, a reskin of an old version right it wasn't the actual next gen quote unquote version that, that uh, PlayStation and Xbox were getting uh, but if you can bring in the casual fans with a, a game like that and say, hey, you, you can take your full 2K experience on the go, I think that is saying something to the casual the casual gamer that may be saying taking Zelda on the go, that doesn't, you know, my brother doesn't care about that, right? 
I mean, he plays games. He plays a lot of games, actually. But he's not like a, die- a diehard Nintendo fanboy. He's more into the casual experiences. Well, I mean, like you, like you said, though, with the the announcement trailer, they they did, a, did something that Nintendo doesn't really do, which is they didn't show a single child in that announcement. And I think they're marketing more towards the people that actually care about Nintendo, which are the people that grew up with it. So you're thinking 20-plus-year-olds with a little bit of disposable income. And I think they have a little bit less uh, attachment to a a game like an NBA game. And I think those are the people that do want a new Zelda. They do want a new Mario. And they are going to be getting Mario Kart so that the homies can chill out at a park bench at midnight and play Mario Kart. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I feel like the people who who you just talked about, that demographic, those are the people that already own Wii U's. But I feel like that they are trying to reach a, a wider audience. And that's why they didn't market it as like, hey, Nintendo is just a kitty console. No one cares. It's like, hey, this is a more mature console. Uh, uh, it's a hip console. I think just going after their, their current fan base is, is obviously not a smart idea. Well, not, not even just their current fan base, but like lapsed Nintendo fans. People that grew up and had a Game Boy and they played Pokemon, but they haven't you know bought a Nintendo console because none of their friends had it. I mean, it's a little bit of both, I think. I think there are people that want to play 2K and they want to be able to play on the go. And I think that there are people that haven't played a Zelda game in 10 years. To say that they don't want to market to children anymore, I think that's probably not, not true. But I feel like as, as we get older, you know, our generation, they're having kids now. Like, these people who grew up assaulted by video games from every direction they're the ones raising children now and buying video games for those kids so they don't need to necessarily market as because before video game consoles were marketed to parents who bought them for their kids right right so it was like oh this is a nintendo this is a kid's machine i can buy this for my child we're i don't want to say we're smarter now but we grew up with it we are aware in a way that our parents maybe weren't when we were growing up right it's a much more tech savvy culture in general so I think the marketing so far has been it's been smart. It's been intelligent. Did you see the first reveal of the Wii U? Uh, like what, E3 20, 2011? Dude, it was so rough. Like that looked like a bad Wii peripheral commercial. It didn't it didn't say anything about the console. It just kept saying the controller over and over and over. So like the Wii U had many problems, but I think the biggest problem was the naming and the messaging. It didn't matter that it was weaker. It mattered that it didn't sell and nobody wanted it. And nobody knew that they could want it. It was just bad from the get-go, but I think it's, it's turned around a lot with the Switch. And I do think you're going to be seeing a lot of Nintendo fans actually come back. I think just in general, the just the general atmosphere is a lot more positive around the uh, the idea of the Switch over anything the Wii U ever had. And the games that they showed, they looked really good. Like, even in Fallon, like, that Zelda, that, that little bit that he played, it seemed to be running a lot smoother than even the Wii U version that they showed at E3. That gives me hope that this is going to be a strong enough console. A lot of people think that it's going to be on par with the Xbox One or the PS4 or whatever, but... I scoff at them. You can scoff all you want, but if the game can run well on the Switch, that's all I really care about, you know? If I have the Switch and I'm holding it in my hands and I'm, you know, walking from the couch to my bedroom and laying down and still playing the same game, like, that's that's a... That's a good little quality of life thing. Yeah. And I've, I've always harped on the fact that you need third parties to make your console uh, viable. And the more I've thought about it, the more I realize that that's not necessarily true. You don't need third parties to thrive. If they sell 60 million Switches, 
they can support it like they've supported the 3DS, and they don't need any third party. And Nintendo, they will have incentive enough to, to do what they did with the 3DS, and that will be good enough for me. My concern is if the, with the Wii U, not enough third-party support, people didn't buy it, people didn't care, and Nintendo... There wasn't enough first-party support. Yeah, but because Nintendo said, well, we sold 7 million of these things. Or when, when they quit supporting it, it was realistically they had sold less than that when they said, we'll give you your Smash Bros. and then we're done, essentially. And that was all we got. So that's what I'm concerned about is that it will do poorly and Nintendo will quit supporting it. I don't care about third parties. If this thing can sell, like I said, like the 3DS and Nintendo will continue supporting it for years and years to come, that's fine by me too. I don't care how they go about it. I just want them to sell units and I want it to be a quality console. So the power doesn't matter because I don't believe that Nintendo is going to put out a weak system. I I mean, I believe they'll do that, but I don't think they're going to put out a weak system and then push it like, you know, looking at some of the PlayStation 4 games, right? that are running at 720p at 20 frames a second half the time, and they're just disasters. Like, there's no excuse for that. Live within your means as a developer, and that's what Nintendo's really good at. They'll say, hey, we don't have the most powerful console, but we're going to do exactly what we need to do to make this the most optimal experience for you. Like you said, with developers not uh, developing for the consoles that they're developing for, right? Like, I really hope that we see a a change in the next couple years of the big AAA companies like actually making their games realistically because at this point these games are way too big they're not optimized well for the experience you're getting and they're coming out and they're not finished like you're getting day one patches that are 20 30 40 gigs and that's that's heinous like that's the game that's how much the game should be size-wise in general. And I hope that we see some sort of change from Ubisoft, EA, Activision, 2K. L-O-L. I mean, you're asking for a fucking lot, dude. I'm asking for a lot, but like, that's what I want. If I'm being optimistic, that's what I hope happens. I don't see it happening, but dude, it's it's getting really bad. Let me frame something for you. So you were telling me the other day that you think... One of the reasons that the Switch will fail with third-party developers is because they won't be able to put these ridiculous 40-gig patches out day of release. Again, it depends on how much Nintendo pushes this as a handheld, because if you buy this for someone as just a just a handheld, you know, that's a little bit less likely that you're going to have a stable uh, internet connection all the time. Like, if you take this on the go and you you go to Best Buy and you, you buy the new Call of Duty on your switch and you plug it in in the car and it says you can't play the game like that's going to be that that's that's fucked up you know so i could see there being a not day and date release like you have to wait a month to get the new call of duty game right on the switch which that's just going to be annoying to the people who bought the system because they're like you know we bought the system we're supporting the these games but we're not getting them at the same time as everybody else I'm just afraid they're going to push away these developers. It might not matter. It might really matter, like it did with the Wii U. I'm really curious to see how it, how it shakes out. And to be like honest, I haven't played a Call of Duty in seven years, six years. Like those aren't the games that I don't that I really care about. So I don't really care if we have really strong AAA support. I want third party support. Like I want, you know, these cool little third party games. I want like Rocket League on the Switch. I want. You know like these little fun titles that that I actually enjoy playing, but I don't really care if there's a lot of uh, AAA games 
because I think those just fit better on the PC and uh, PS4, Xbox console space because they're the ones that are like pushing the limit on power. And the Switch isn't going to be a, a powerhouse. It's going to be a fun machine. And I think that could lend itself well to like maybe the Switch is going to kind of find its footing uh, in the indie community. Look at these games of the year list. How many of those are, are indie games made by one guy or 12 people or these little teams? And there are these massive experiences or these like really unique, really memorable uh, experiences. The Switch can just be an indie machine. And if that happens, I'm totally fine with that because I have a soft spot for a lot of indie games. And you've even seen it with like the PS Vita, which all in all numbers wise has been kind of a failure as far as uh, Sony's probably concerned. But you do see a lot of cool indie sh- indie games on there. You got Guacamelee, you get your Rogue Legacy, you get you know all these like fun little games. And if the Switch can get that and Nintendo games, like I'm set. That's that's as much as I need. I don't need the yearly 2K game. You know I don't really care if I get Mass Effect. Like I've got other consoles for that. So I think this is going to be a great secondary machine for people that want to expand their their game libraries to include Nintendo games again. One can only hope that that's the case. And I think a lot of developers, they supported the Wii U. There were a lot of really great indie games on the Wii U, a lot of the, especially a lot of the big ones. And so I, I can only imagine that they're going to go forward, especially now that we have a console with uh, a modern architecture. There's still a disparity between the current gen consoles and what the Switch is going to be, being mobile, being uh, you know an ARM processor. But it's it's at least it's like modern, right? Like developers are going to be able to go and say, "Hey, we're not digging through our, our freaking history books trying to figure out how they developed games twelve years ago." It's like yeah, on a power PC, right? Right. So the, the the Wii U's indie support will carry over, and this will uh, it'll only continue to improve. Yeah, because it's been Nintendo that's been supporting these indie like games to be on their consoles, and I think that's that's really great. You've seen that a lot from like Sony and Microsoft also, but even at E three this year there was their little nindies section and i thought that was really like cool that they were showcasing these little games made by just a few people it's good to see giant companies like that support support the little guy yeah i think it's it's completely necessary in the gamescape because if you are only putting out one game a year and you're spending like millions and millions of dollars on it that's 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 rough you know you need some little things to kind of like keep people invested in your in your brand the other side of that co- that same coin, we're going to see a lot of great indie titles. I also think we're probably going to see a lot of really bad AAA ports, like we did with the Wii U. That's that's inevitable. You know, a lot of uh, these developers have a pretty bad track record of not really putting the care necessary into these ports. You see some that that work specifically for the system at hand sometimes, but in general, they're just shoveling it out. They don't really care really sucks to see especially when it's a title you care about and it's just this half-ass port thrown on just to to sell a couple hundred thousand units and it's like i know it's a business but like have some freaking integrity right like it's just it just it it triggers me nick it triggers asking me a, asking a lot i know i know you and me both brother well we're gonna see not only a bunch of really crappy triple a ports but we're probably gonna get I mean, I'm looking back at my Wii U collection right now, and it's like, I have every meaningful title, save for, like, Fire Emblem, the Fire Emblem crossover, and and Paper Mario. I have every title worth playing, uh, and all the Nintendo exclusives. That's a good list, too. Like, I have a lot of those games, too, and I could really see Nintendo taking the time to uh, bring those over to the Switch, especially if it sells even a modicum better than the Wii U did. 70% of these games, like, 
all of these heavy hitters are coming to the Switch. I don't know how much of a priority that is, though. Like, do you, do you think these are going to be a launch thing, or is this going to be like a okay, well, we're working on the next Metroid game, so let's kind of crank out Yoshi's Woolly World so people can check that out, check that out again. So we're not, you know, six months in between games. Right. I don't. I don't think that something like that necessarily will be uh, ported. But like Splatoon's not going to be Splatoon two. It's going to be Wii U Splatoon with some new stuff. At least from what we saw, obviously that wasn't actual gameplay in the in the launch trailer. That was just it's just some pre rendered stuff from that was Splatoon one footage essentially. How, how, what what all do you want from a Splatoon sequel though? Same thing with like Mario Kart. There hasn't been like a huge change in Mario Kart ever. It's still Mario and his friends throwing items at each other on some the same courses sometimes and different courses another time, you know? Like Mario Kart 9 I don't think is going to be a huge leap from Mario Kart 8. Just like Mario Kart 8 wasn't a huge leap from Mario Kart Wii. You know, like it's just it's the same game but it's still better, you know? I'm curious to see if they actually just release it as Mario Kart 8. That would and, be a first. Yeah, it would be. I think it is a little bit unprecedented, but I think that they want to make this as cheap as possible for them to sort of recuperate damages that they suffered because of the Wii U. And I think porting a game, just saying here's a port with some new stuff, and they're going to sell freaking six million copies of that game, and then they can work on a next Mario Kart for three years down the line. I think it's the quickest and cheapest alternative for them, and will still be a quality Nintendo experience for you know, Nintendo's thinking they're shipping how many millions of these uh, in, in that first quarter? Uh, I think it, the number is two million for the month of March. The month of March, not the quarter, the month. Like, they think this thing is going to sell like hotcakes. Two million is really not like that much for a launch. That's like a, that's like a good, that's a really good week, but that's like a fine month. But this is presumably dropping at the end of March, but by all accounts. Well, we don't know that. Like it, they've they've just said March. So if it's the first of March, and the quarter ends at the thirtieth or thirty first, like that's that's a little bit different. But anyway, getting pedantic, they could easily make Mario Kart Nine using the same engine as Mario Kart Eight and add enough features to necessitate it being a sequel without really putting in too much work. Like they don't have to do a total overhaul. Like for example, uh, Smash on Wii U and 3DS. That's the same engine technically is brawl it's just high resolution skins and like a little bit of tweaking with uh physics that still took how many years to make okay but that's going from the wii which is what 480i to an actual hd system whereas this is going to be the same resolution to the like this is going to be a side grade you know so you don't have to really up res stuff you don't have to make new textures you don't have to spend all this time making sure the models work right it's going to be a lot smoother of a of a transition from Wii U to Switch, and they, I can't remember who who was talking about. I think it was Kimishima. I was actually talking about they wanted to have a a, uh, a way to implement their like coding and the way they developed games before into their new development cycle for the Switch, and I think that's amazing. If they can get that down, that means that the porting process or the upgrade side grade process to make Wii U games on the Switch is going to be a lot more painless for them. Smash, you think we're going to get a port of that? We're not going to get a new Smash. Oh, definitely. We're going to get a we're going to get a game of the year edition, whatever. It's going to be Smash. It's going to have all the DLC, it's going to have you know all the characters, the stages, and I think maybe potentially a couple others to entice people from the Wii U version to the Switch. 
And that'll I bet you there'll be a package that ships with uh, little GameCube Joy-Con attachments, right? Uh, that more or less depends on whether there's going to be GameCube VC. I think a lot of people were upset that they that there was never a GameCube Virtual Console on the Wii U, despite the fact that it could natively run those games. That is a little frustrating, and I think it was probably just the trouble that they had to go through to port those those games to Nintendo standards. It wasn't worth it for them based on the the install base. Which it it would have been worth it for me. <laughs> I know, right? Why aren't they doing? They're not catering to your needs specifically. Please, Nintendo. Uh, I think this is going to be the ultimate. At least I hope it's going to be the ultimate virtual console machine. They're going to support all their legacy consoles. Uh, it should have the power to do so. Uh, we're finally going to get. I think Game Boy Advance games. I know we had the Ambassador program on the 3DS. There were Game Boy Advance games on Virtual Console for the Wii U. For the Wii U. But it's going to be the first time we have a portable uh, Game Boy Advance emulator, essentially, uh, officially supported. If it happens. Uh, uh, Mother 3 is one of the speculated launch titles, uh, which we could probably talk for 40 minutes on, on Mother 3. Yeah, that's a that's a definitely a niche community that loves those games and i definitely loved earthbound and i loved mother 3 so it would be great to to give nintendo my money to you know vote with my wallet as they say to tell them yeah you know another earthbound we would people in the west would buy that uh i i'm curious to see with that title specifically it uh, you said you'd be shocked if they if they used the uh was it tomato the guy's name his translation that's the translation of, of mother 3 uh or are they going to do it themselves? Are they going to just smash it into the ground? Oh, they're they're gonna they're gonna they're, they would new to that game. There's quite a bit of stuff in there that definitely. Well, I, I mean, I don't really know what their localization stands have been in the past twenty years since Earthbound came out, but you can go back and and check and see what what all was changed between those games. But and I don't want to go down the localization rabbit trail, but I really I sincerely doubt that they would use a third party's translation in any way like i don't think they've officially like acknowledged it since it came out however many years ago and it's just there's no way they're gonna do that in-house it's gonna be them pulling the strings they they're control freaks they'd love to have their fingers into every aspect of the of the game itself and i guess maybe that speaks to why it's been so long despite the clamoring uh, from the fan base, and I know they made jokes about it. They acknowledged it uh, that little robot chicken intro a couple years ago, uh, where Reggie like lights a, a Mother Three fan on fire. Uh, you remember that? <laughs> no, that's uh, hilarious. Nintendo though. they did they did a little animated intro for, I think it was E three, and and someone's like Mother Three, Mother Three, and Reggie like throws a fireball at him. Holy crap! That's that's brutal. <laughs> it's it was fucking awesome, and so I think maybe it's been so long because they've been translating and localizing a game is not something you do quickly, right? And Nintendo they they know what their fans want, especially like Nintendo of America. They there's there's nothing that we've talked about that they do not know that we're talking about. Despite how out of touch they seem, I think they at least hear the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know that that results in some great things and some not so great things, but. Uh, at least they're aware. At least Nintendo of America is. I, I wonder. I wonder how much the mothership really is aware. I, I I feel like they're so out of touch, and there is this disconnect between NOA and, like I said, the mothership back in Japan. How much does Nintendo of America actually influence? How much say do they have? How much power do they have? I think they're in the process of uh, a changing of the guard, and I think a lot of the older developers and uh, people in charge at Nintendo in Japan are kind of. Uh, 
making way and grooming younger people to be taking over because that is definitely like a not family oriented but it's definitely like there's a hierarchy in their uh the way they do things so i think i think i think we're in the process of of seeing that happen especially when you talk when you think about like awada's death and kimishima taking over and miyamoto coming out and saying like yeah we're kind of like stepping away and letting young people take like take charge and uh decide make some big decisions for the company and i think the next five years they're going to be evaluating very heavily whether or not the things that the younger people are doing in the company are successful or not one of the biggest things they can do with the switch despite whatever hardware disparity might be there whatever whatever issues we think it may have i think to reach out to their fans and, and let them know like hey we hear you like make this make this a virtual console machine like make this the ultimate nintendo device you can play everything going back to the nes uh i know there was some speculation that the nes classic was sort of this experiment for nintendo as if they were going to move away from the traditional virtual console i don't think that's the case that'd be really strange i think it was an experiment but i don't think it was uh them trying like to not sell their games on a console like they're gonna keep selling their games on every console you buy but i do think that the the nes classic they had no idea would be as popular as it was because they have the numbers of people who bought virtual console games yeah and that's all they've had i think part of the issue with that is like you know i'm not giving you ten dollars to play a a 20 year old game like that's that's kind of ridiculous like especially because i've bought them three other times from you I mm-hmm. bought Super Mario World on every platform it's ever been available. Like that's crazy to think that I'm I'm gonna have to go turn around and give them my money again. And that just goes into the the speculation that there's gonna be a real account system now and that uh games that you buy will be tied to those accounts instead of tied to the systems you buy them on. Ugh, fucking finally. Would be so consumer friendly, but we have not seen Nintendo do that and they've had virtual console on three machines now. And so I hope I'm I'm not optimistic that they're going to do that, but goddamn, I'm hopeful. I want that. They could take a, a page out of Sony's book, which is not something anyone ever says. Yeah, no, they're kind of they, they don't want that page. <laughs> but I mean, Sony is it's kind of set the model for that the, with the crossplay between the Vita, the PSP, and even na- even now, still like PSP games are still supported officially, and it's like that's really cool. Now I basically have four devices where I'm I'm. I buy the game once and I'm able to access it on all these devices. And that's really cool. And I think that's like crucial now as, as gaming evolves. Like the gaming industry and us as consumers, things are, are drastically different than they were 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Yeah, and to your point, like you were saying earlier, if Nintendo is iterating upon this device, you're talking about it when we were talking about the VR aspect. If there is going to be a, a Switch 2 or an upgraded Switch, whatever they want to call it, uh, a few years down the line instead of four or five years down the line, then I think it's important, like it's vital now to establish an account system that can transfer forward. Like they obviously have not been able to do that with their past two consoles, but if they can do that now, that would that would be very beneficial. I think that's it's high time that Nintendo does something like that. So we got a few more things we want to touch on before we, we cut this off, but real quick, do you think that we're going to get DS, 3DS, virtual console or ports or or what have you, available digitally on the Switch. We're, I, there's no way that there's going to be virtual console for DS or 3DS. I think that there is a slight possibility that we get a version of those games like ported, like a, a remaster kind of situation. 
but there's not there's no way you're gonna have that weird two screen situation emulated on the on the switch itself that's that seems very gross well you know if you look at if the switch is a touchscreen um if you look at the size of the switch you theoretically could uh emulate uh the native resolution of the 3ds with two screens right there on that that one screen you could but there's no way that you're going to be able to hold the the switch with one hand on the joy con and then use your other hand to act as a stylus where precision is necessary with the size of the pixels on the switch itself. Like that's going to be messy. You're not going to be able to see what you're doing and it's not going to be a good experience. Then that there likely goes my hopes of, of the switch, uh, having every possible uh, Zelda game ever created available on it. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see spirit tracks or a phantom hourglass in this thing. Sorry, bud. I think it's really cool how like right now between the Wii U and the 3ds, every Zelda game is playable. Not the th- the what the 3DI the Philips oh CDI the 3DO <laughs> yeah those don't count those aren't Zelda games those are abortions Wand of Gamelon or whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what they're called anymore Wand of Gamelon great great meme material that's that's what the developers were thinking right when they made it say in in twenty two years this is going to be great meme material are the Oracle games available on 3DS Virtual Console uh, Wii U I think aren't are they Wii U are they I don't know. We're not looking this up right now, but still, that's a lot of Zelda games potential. Uh, it's pretty. I mean, it's 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 really cool to think about like this current gen ecosystem. Like you can go and play all the Zelda. That's just so cool to me. Uh, as a guy who's only beat one Zelda game, that's so cool to me. <laughs> that's so cool. I have so much potential, but I'll never I'll never reach it. So no 3ds, no DS because of the touchscreen issues. To speak to that as well, real quick, Mario Maker. No brainer that we're getting a Mario Maker. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. That's that's been such a, a great success, both critically and financially. How are they going to, you think, deal with? Because Mario Maker, I think, works as well as it does because of the Wii U gamepad. That's I think was sort of unanimous when when the game came out. It was like finally a reason to use this gamepad. This makes so much sense. This works so fucking flawlessly. Mario Maker is going to be drastically different unless you're playing it strictly portable. A lot of people didn't do that with the Wii U. They want to see it on the screen, you know, and and they're not going to be able to use that uh, that same functionality when the gamepad is docked, obviously, or the Switch is docked. If and when they do a Mario Maker game, that's going to be kind of rough on their marketing and their messaging for it, because I think if if they do that, it's going to be creation mode will be only while it's undocked. I do not think you're going to be able to create uh, Mario Maker stages on the Switch unless you're holding it in your hands and you're able to use your finger to move blocks around and place enemies and all that all that stuff. But I don't think that's a huge knock against it because most of the fun I had with that that game is the ability to play other people's courses. Like I was never the one creating, and I think in general there's maybe only a quarter of the people playing that game that are actively creating uh, levels. I think most of the gameplay is just playing the, the levels themselves. And I don't think you miss anything by, oh, I have to stand up and walk 10 feet to get to my TV and unplug the switch. And oh, it's on my screen already. I got to make this level. Like that's not, that's not a big thing, but like you were saying earlier, this being a, a, a console that you can take on the go, I think it's going to kind of mess with that a little bit. And I think Nintendo has to be a little careful with uh, how many games they make that are, having a lot of features that are only available while you're while you're holding it in your hands. Yeah, that and that, again that's one of those hurdles that 
uh, I think especially third-party developers will struggle with, and we'll see how, how they adapt and how that will translate. But I think it's it's less of a hurdle than, say, the PS4 Pro is having, where it's, it's more feature-complete while it's undocked, as opposed to, I don't think there's going to be any game that you're not going to be able to play as effectively in your hands as you would while I was plugged into the TV. So I think it's a it's a much easier hurdle to surpass because, oh no, this game only has abilities while I'm holding it. Well, I'll just go unplug it and then I'm holding it. Like, that's not a big deal. But if you're away from home, it's like, oh, I can only do this while I'm plugged into a TV. Like, you're not going to see that. To us, it doesn't sound like a terribly huge deal, but it's one of those really granular things that developers will just get hung up on and say, well... Like, you saw it with the Wii U. Well, for the Wii U, the, that gamepad, like, it seemed like they were leaning on that a lot harder. Same with, like, the DS. Like, the DS is not a DS unless you can touch that bottom screen. But with the Switch, they're not really pushing the, the touchscreen capability. It's like, oh, you just have a screen. Yeah. Uh, so, we want to get to price avail- availability and, and, and street date. Uh, but real quick, obviously, we all want a better online ecosystem. That also includes like app support. Are we going to get our Netflix, our YouTube, our, our Twitch? Like, how is that going to look? Is Nintendo finally going to catch up to to the rest of the gaming industry? Oh, not to mention that uh, that mysterious that mysterious square button on the left Joy-Con, which has been really rumored to be a sort of share button. I mean, do you think that's the case? Oh man, I don't know. Like, I've, I I don't know on a granular granular level how much um, processing power it takes to actually record video from the screen and audio from the screen to then upload. Right. Uh, I, I think, if anything, if it's anything like that, it's going to be a screenshot button because there is already something like that on the Wii U where you can take screenshots and upload it to Miiverse and there's a cool little community for that. It's going to be more on the screenshot side, I think, especially since this is a handheld also. You're not going to be always connected to the internet. So it's going to have to be something smaller that you can store and then upload later. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know if it's going to be able to actually record video. And I don't know if you're going to be able to, like, Twitch stream right. on your Switch. Switch stream. Switch stream. Switch! And we've already, we've already, we already know how much Nintendo loves uh, YouTube. So, like, that's kind of like a foregone conclusion that you're going to be able to share your video on there. So they, they like their own ecosystem, is what I'm trying to say, is that it's going to be like a Miiverse thing, which I'm fine with. Miiverse is cool, but it just needs to be uh, smooth, more smoothly implemented. I, I don't have high hopes for what Nintendo will do as far as app support. I think the Netflix app will be what it is, uh, and, and, and along those lines, you know, Amazon, Hulu, whatever else is supported. Um, I don't think this is, again, going to be... You know, Nintendo's never had a console you can play a DVD in, for Christ's sake. Like... Mm. This is not about being a media hub entertainment machine, and I think... Um, well, you don't think this is going to have a, a USB DVD player that you can plug into it? Oh, God. Christ, we hope not. What if What if that little share button isn't a button? Do we ever stop to think that that might be the NFC reader for Amiibo? That's just a little just a little doodad, and you just pop it right over that little nub? But, I mean, it doesn't need to have... I mean, it looks like a button. It does look like a button. And, like, the, on the NFC reader on the Wii U is just, like... It has a little icon on it, but it's not. It doesn't look tactile. It doesn't. It's not a different color. It's not indented or anything. It's just printed on it like a a Mattel product. But it could. It could be some sort of amoeba functionality. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I feel like it but, might uh, be. Like, just from where they have the NFC reader on the the gamepad, that would be where it would be on the Joy-Con. 
So that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's brought that up, but I'm, I'm I think, definitely haven't heard it. <laughs> I, I feel like that is like maybe more likely than um, obviously the patent might say that straight up. That's a button. I don't know. That might be a button. I don't know. But I feel like a share button. Yeah, that's that's you're really getting your hopes up. Uh, this is Nintendo. Um, they hate sharing. They they really do. They really fucking do. Uh, and we obviously know how how YouTube friendly they've been. Like you said, that's been a disaster. Um, and really not consumer friendly at all. But as far as price, availability, street date, I think we both have a number in our heads that we we really hope they hit. But Nintendo has come out and said very specifically, we do not plan on taking a loss on on the hardware, which means this thing's either going to be uh, really cheap and woefully underpowered, or it's going to be really fucking expensive. I don't think there's much room for middle ground there. All right. So do you want me to do you want me to tell you what my spec both speculation and hope fucking is for educate these three me. things? Educate. All right. All right. I'm saying. I'm saying, listen here right now. All right, here, here I am. Price on this machine for your basic basic system, dock, Joy-Cons, the grip. Yeah, I'm going to say that there's going to be a grip in there. They better. They better. That better not gonna, be a third. I think it's, it's going to come with a grip. Okay, it should. It, I don't think it's going to come with the Pro Controller, but um, just console, Joy-Cons, grip, dock. I'm saying 250 oh, Wow. And then I'm thinking... For a uh, version with um, a pack-in game and a little bit more storage, it's going to be 300 Storage, that's something we didn't touch on. Do you think this is going to have expandable storage? Because that changes everything. I think it's definitely going to have SD just because the DS did, the 3DS did, the Wii did, and the Wii U did. Like, There's no way this thing doesn't take micro SD. That's a foregone conclusion in my mind. Okay. So we can theoretically pump this thing up to, to hundreds of gigs. It's, it's going to be capable of reading your biggest micro SD card. I think we're looking at uh, 32 gigs base model. Woof. And then 64, 128 for the uh, the upgraded SKU. I'm thinking 128. I can't imagine anyone's actually going to go out and pay Nintendo, especially if they have upgradable, expandable memory like why or, or, or storage. Why would anybody say, here, Nintendo, let me pay the Nintendo tax to get 128 gigs. You can go buy 128 gigabyte SD card for fucking pennies on the dollar. I mean, they people do that for the other consoles. That's because, like, Xbox, you can't upgrade your hard drive. And some people don't want the hassle of an external drive. Um, PlayStation lets you upgrade yours, uh, but they only offer the terabyte model. Uh, all right there, Mr. Wise Guy. Why don't you tell me what your price availability... Okay. all right. Uh, I hope there's not two versions. I don't think there's anything Nintendo could realistically do to justify tell, uh, selling two separate SKUs. I mean, saying, like, here's a 128 gig version. Like, that's fucking bullshit to me. Uh, and if they did do that, I think that just leads us to believe that there won't be expandable storage, which is a, uh, an issue. Um, I think optimistically, we'll be lucky if this thing comes in at two ninety nine. Based on the technology inside, even if it's using the old Maxwell architecture and the old Taker one, this is still going to probably skew pricey. Two ninety nine, maybe two uh, three forty nine. Like like the Wii U sells for for two ninety nine still three forty nine for a bundle. This is obviously going to be uh, more expensive to produce. And it's a brand new system, so I'm thinking 250 is like people are crazy for thinking that. I think you're crazy, Nick. You're a madman. You said the Wii U hasn't gone down in price, but that's because the components inside the Wii U itself are so old that nobody's making them anymore. So that everything has to be like custom made. You know, they have to like 
pay these these uh these factories to make the components because nobody else is using them whereas this is like just a gen- general like it's a phablet screen the processors being used in current like tablets and stuff and next year's tablets wh- what have you so like all the components in this seem like you know pretty easy to come by they're pretty like ubiquitous they're being used we 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 hope that's the case and that they can actually sell this thing uh at a profit and cheap enough that uh consumers are enticed to go out and, and spend money on this thing day one but like i said if if this thing is 200 dollars or even 250 i'm like ooh, I, I worry about it you know i mean there were there were moving parts there's technology in these controllers i feel like if it's that cheap the device itself isn't going to be up to nintendo's own standards and and maybe I'm I'm overthinking it. It's going to be pricey, and I think that's going to be the number one complaint coming out of the uh, Switch Miss broadcast is people are going to be shocked at the price if they announce a price. I, maybe they don't even announce a price. They they have to. There's there's definitely going to be an announcement for price, and pre-orders are going to go up like day after or day of. So you think this thing's going to be avail actually available to pre-order, or is this going to be an NES classic? I am optimistic that's going to be available. Like you said, the two million number it depends on when it's released. But when do you think it's going to be released first? Are you going to? Are you thinking early March, late March? Uh, dude, I I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily care. I mean, earlier the better. But based on their projections for first week sales, Nintendo is always always overshot. They've never been modest or conservative in their estimation. So I'm thinking end of March. Every developer and every game maker has always been overshooting their numbers. Sure. So it's not just Nintendo. But I'm thinking it's going to be a Friday launch. It's going to be March 10th. That's early. Which which is Mario Day. Ah. I don't know, dude. I don't yeah. know. You're, you're, yeah. you're asking too much Nintendo yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be March 10th. And it's going to... It's going to be available. I mean, it's it's going to be more available than the Wii was. It's going to be more available than the NES Classic. I don't think there's going to be... I don't think there's going to be people riding in the streets, shaking their fists, and crying that Nintendo isn't putting out enough of these. Well, you know, I've sort of changed my stance on the NES Classic, where initially I thought this was just some bullshit fucking business practice. You know, the artificial uh, demand and trying to inflate and drum up interest for a device that really didn't warrant as much coverage as it got. It's it's a fine device, and it was reasonably priced, and it should have been available for everybody. But the fact that everything went down the way it did, and then it didn't become available for Christmas, leads me to believe that this was either Nintendo really being out of touch, thinking this no one was going to care about this, or it really was a production issue. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily a shady uh, a shady thing. Uh, otherwise, why drum up all that interest and and increase demand only to like not give it to people? Because now Christmas is over, no one cares anymore. Like you right. and you and I might care, but as a whole, Christmas is is dead and gone, and and people aren't going to go out and rush out and buy it like they would have a month after it released, leading into the holiday season. Everyone's clamoring for it. No one cares anymore, and you're already seeing the prices uh, on eBay, you know, and Craigslist and shit. People not being able to sell these things. For what they were selling them, prices are already dropping. So as far as release date, I don't... March 10th seems early. Like I said, they think they're shipping out uh, 2 million units or selling 2 million units in that first month. I think that's really, really conservative, like you said, for a full month of sales. And Nintendo is not one to be conservative. 
they always aim for best case scenario, and best case scenario based on that number is that's the last week of March, and they think they're going to sell two million units in seven days. They didn't say that they uh, expected to sell two million units. They said that they were going to have two million units available. Okay, like that was more of a production estimate, I think. Okay, uh, rather than a sales estimate, and I'm not too sure on the time frame of that estimate. I think they. I think the official word was two million uh, available at launch, not through the launch window. You know, okay. like not okay. through the end of the year. So I'm not like too married to that number at the same time. But I think that based on what happened with NES Classic, that they I hope they learned from that and that there was enough time to have that turnover to make enough of these things that everyone who wants one at launch will get one. You know, we're not going to see another Wii scenario. Wii U, they overshot a little bit, but that was because it didn't sell. But I want them to be less conservative with uh, their back end and, you know, make it available. I fully expect to go into March. You and I will not be able to get the Switch, and we're going to wait, whether it's weeks or months, I don't know. Fingers crossed that that's not the case. I can't believe we're only 10 days away from, from actually finally learning about this thing, and we're less than two months away from presumably from getting this thing in our hands. This is my first time really kind of gearing up for a, a console launch. I've never bought a console day one, ever. Me either. And so this is kind of interesting. Now as, as 25-year-old men, we're like, you know, gearing up for an, a new Nintendo. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I feel like a kid on Switch Miss. So fingers crossed, man. I really hope this works out for everybody. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think I'm going to pre-order this, just, just if I can get a pre-order. I don't know what that's going to look like. Nintendo's been kind of slow on that based on what happened over Black Friday with uh, Amazon. I think Nintendo is kind of coming back around on uh, putting stuff up for online availability, and I hope that that's going to be the case for Switch. I don't. I really don't want to have to walk into a GameStop and like ask them if I can. Like, right, I, lining up, getting tickets outside the door at fucking two days early. Like that's bullshit. I'm going to also pre-order as soon as I can. Um, with the caveat uh, that I expect that I won't be able to receive the unit until two days after launch, I will be pre-ordering this and still trying to get one in store day of. Uh, and if I do end up with two, I'll just return the other one. Um, but I'm doing whatever I can to get my hands on this as soon as they're available. Yeah, it was because even if one of those launch titles that we have uh, on our list, one of those games they showed in the the reveal trailer is enough for me to buy on day one. Absolutely. Even Skyrim, which I don't really care about. Like, there's going to be Skyrim and at least you know some other game. There's going to be at least one game at the launch that I'm going to want to play. It, I am more afraid, honestly, that these games won't be available uh, as opposed to the console itself. I'm suddenly having these 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 terrible uh, visions of like Nintendo making mass quantities of the Switch available. And then no games in, in like an, some fucked up twisted effort to push people into their new online ecosystem and push people to go buy digital games. Like, I don't know. I, I think maybe that's totally paranoid. <laughs> that That's totally paranoid. I'm going to talk you off that edge right now. Come on, dude. Think about it. Dude, seriously. We're not going to be able to walk in and get any of these games and everyone's going to want to fucking go play Zelda. So everyone's going to go buy Zelda and guess what's going to happen when it comes out physically. Half those people are going to buy a second copy. I will buy a fucking second copy, and I already know I'll be lured into this bullshit, and I need to vote with my wallet, 
and use my fucking brain. This is Nintendo, not Rockstar. There's never been a problem with availability for games. I just... We will see what happens. We'll see what happens, but we all know how out of touch Nintendo can be. And This would be the weirdest in-touch thing that they could possibly do if they were pushing an online ecosystem. But going about it in the most shady way like would be very Nintendo. Maybe. I guess uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously. <laughs> a couple of things I should quit saying. Well, uh, this has been a good conversation. I mean, in 10 days, we're going to do a breakdown just like everybody else in the fucking world. No, we'll do it first, though. And that's probably... We're on, we're on top of things. Yeah, that's probably not likely. Like, you know, Game Explain is, like, already set up. Like, he's sitting there waiting, like, you know, not I leaving his see desk. Andre just perched on a... On a, on a tree branch watching Nintendo headquarters with binoculars. Right. I mean, you know Kind of Funny is going to be doing their live stream um, all over the top of Nintendo's live stream. Like they right. did with the Game Awards and with PS, uh, PS Experience or whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, it's been good, man. Uh, this has been the Console Crusade podcast. This is our first one ever. We hope to bring you many, many more in the future. Hopefully we'll get better with time. Yeah. I mean, it's a little awkward trying to figure out, you know, the nuances of not only like doing a podcast, but doing a podcast while we're staring at each other over a computer screen, you know, creepily, wide eyed, unblinkingly. Uh, (laughs) So Nick, it's been good, man. Uh, We'll see you guys next time.